0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another APW Property Podcast. APW helps expats buy property in the UK and has been doing that for over 30 years. And I'm joined by APW top two commentators, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Paul. And hello, Callum. Hi, Paul. It's a pleasure to talk to you both as ever. My name's Paul Shearer and I've been writing about property for nearly 20 years. I've been buying, restoring and selling property for a bit longer. Earlier today I was wondering whether it was time to buy a new grouting sponge on Amazon, but I decided to do this podcast instead. So it's time for our monthly mooch around the market and we're taking a look back at September to give you the highlights of the events that had some impact on the UK's housing market. It's hard to know where to start. It was quite a month, wasn't it, Stuart?
1: Yes, it's been um, it's been pretty crazy, really. The cost of living crisis, the war in Ukraine, energy costs going through the roof, uh, interest rates going up, and there's a lot of doom and gloom out there. Really, I think a lot of it is overdone, personally, because you know the end is not actually nigh. It's been nigh on several occasions in, over the last thirty years, like the financial crisis two thousand seven. Prior to that, we had interest rates of 14%, 15%. So things aren't nearly as bad as it could be. It's just that most people in living memory don't remember things like this before. So they're just reacting to the current clickbait society and um, their own personal experiences.
0: Yes, you're using in your weekly market wrap. you you're using the uh, the mantra, keep calm and carry on as, the, as your end.
1: Absolutely. It's a case of things are never as bad as you think they are.
0: Uh, Yes, absolutely. But let's have a look uh, first at what was new in the UK in September. Uh, We started with the Tories finally getting around to electing their new leader after a couple of months of frankly rudderless government, while Boris ran around the country saying his long goodbye. Liz Truss trotted up to Balmoral to accept the Queen's invitation to form a new government and become the new Prime Minister, and two days later the Queen dies and the whole country entered a period of national grieving and reflection. So now we have a new king and a new prime minister who appoints a new cabinet and this new government promptly bears its teeth with a mini-budget from the new chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng. We'll come back to that in a minute because while all that was going on, as you say Stuart, against this backdrop of continuing problems, the war in Ukraine, high energy costs, economic uncertainty, uh, we had some announcements of soaring inflation. So the Bank of England increased its interest rate by 0.5% to 225 And then we had the mini budget and the pound falls to its lowest against the dollar since decimalisation in 1971. Uh, have I missed anything out?
1: I don't think so, really. I think it's just a case of the government has lost confidence with, or rather the, the markets have lost confidence with the government because they've suddenly stepped out of step with the US. You know, the US is cancelling printing of money and increasing interest rates at a at a real rate. Whereas, you know, the British government is carrying on printing, another forty billion, I think it is, or perhaps even more, and they're increasing interest rates by but not as quickly. So when you're out of step with the US, you know, that's a seen as a bad sign by the markets, hence the pound an absolute caning.
0: And is it the housing market that is the government's primary difficulty? Because if they do raise interest rates too fast there they is that genuine fear that they would crush the housing market.
1: Yeah. It, it's it's a potentiality, but you know, as we've covered in previous pods, you know, just over 50% of the population don't have um, mortgages of the other, f- you know, 46% that do 80% of those are on a fix and okay. They're going to have to come off the fix soon, but one would hope mm-hmm. during uh, COVID they've all built up good cash reserves and you know, many people at the moment, apparently, according to research I was reading today, are going to banks and saying, can they overpay more quickly? So, uh, yes, there could well be a, a, a problem if it shoots up to 8%, something like that. But I know Callum is very keen to tell you about our survey that we recently did on LinkedIn of what people thought interest rates were going to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, how how did you how could you tell? I guess it was just etched on my face, but is that um, a, is
1: that yeah, a we, pain, or you wanted to talk about it?
2: No, yeah, I mean, it was probably a bit of both actually. Um, thinking about what would happen if rates did go up to eight percent, but um, yeah, we did a, we did a poll on LinkedIn recently. So basically, we asked sort of ten thousand followers and people on LinkedIn what they thought was going to happen with interest rates. Are they going to go up to four percent? Are they going to go up to six percent? Or will it be eight and above? And I think we had um, 7,000 people viewed it and, you know, 150, 200 people perhaps in the end voted on it. And um, we had about 37% saying 4% no more, 32% saying um, 6% no more, and then the rest saying uh, 8% plus. So 8% plus is the minority, then it's 6%, then it's 4 So most people seem to think that, yeah, it's going to get up to 4% and sort of stick around there, which um, I agree with personally i don't think it will go all the way to eight so uh interesting anyway we asked the public and, and that's what they i said. think uh,
1: that'd be very nice if we did go to four and stay there but i think it's unlikely i think we're really looking at six percent as um as a sort of possibly an average or even more
2: and what do you think then in terms of a timeline of getting up to six percent and then when it will start coming back down again you know or do you think that will become the new norm higher interest rates
1: again no, i think you know, the interest rate swaps looking forward have got the prices coming down again in two years. So I think hopefully it'll be a, sh- a sharper, I think perhaps it's going for longer than I think they expect, but hopefully it would be a sharp up and down, so to speak.
0: So you think that then in terms of people worrying about it, they should, a five-year fix would see them through this, this spike or would a three-year cover it?
1: I think a five-year would be great. Uh, three years, fine. We did a five year today at four point seven five percent, so five years of that rate is not bad at all. Um, That's yeah, great. Would...
2: what was that what What was that for?
1: A mortgage on a house? Oh yeah, really <laughs> It was a house in Birmingham actually, it also came with an offset of approach as well, which is something I've never seen before in the u k. you know where you put cash in the bank in a current account. And that is deducted from the amount owed, and you don't pay interest on it. I know it's very common in Australia. Yeah. I've never come across it in the UK before, though. Who is the lender? That's a secret. I can't tell you that. Uh, okay. It was a bank, I thought yeah. you were going to say.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's go back through some of the events in September to see, you know, what impact uh, we think they might have on the UK housing market the new prime minister and the new government what what do we think they're going to do to the housing market
1: it's um very very early doors yet i mean they've got to make an impression and win the next election which is in 18 months and that'll that'll be out in the wash within the next six to 12 so at this moment we don't know but either way they're going to have to try and get it right very quickly or they'll be out the door
0: Earlier on this year, they announced uh, Michael Gove's big effort of the Renters Reform Bill. Uh, we did a podcast on that, and they're already backtracking on large sections of that, or discussing, you know, not doing bits of it. So the Section 21 that might be kicked into touch. Uh, so it's like you say, it's too early to tell, but it's been a bit chaotic uh, as a start.
2: Yeah, well, this is, I, I think I remember when we were reporting, recording that podcast, you know, we were saying how much of this is actually going to come to fruition. And I guess it's just an example of, you know, just playing what's in front of you and not try, not getting too caught up in sort of the media and the headlines and a potential crash and all of this sort of stuff. You know, if you just do the basics well and, and play what's in front of you, then you'll come out with a good result. You know, I think, uh, yeah, that's just that's just proof that, um, you know, we always like to say, do the fundamentals well, and and, and you, you know you'll get there. But um, yeah.
0: Okay, and the new king. What any is he going to have any impact on the uh, housing market? Prices. The new to, king. Prices going to go up in Gloucestershire.
2: Yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, death of the queen certainly the end of an era, but the institution of the monarchy carries on, as you say, with the king. Uh, Charles is a known quantity as the Prince of Wales. Uh, familiar figure you know so that's not going to disrupt people or cause any uncertainty i guess the queen's death in balmoral in scotland may have strengthened the union you know actually i was listening to radio 4 after the death and a lot of commonwealth countries were sort of um, were down talking the uh, the commonwealth now and, and saying there's less strong ties now the queen's gone but Charles is an active supporter of green issues, as we know. He's not going to the COP27 in in Egypt, but he is. Uh, yeah, he is an active supporter of green issues, so is this a, may strengthen the move to net zero. Well,
0: that's all the net zero stuff, which obviously is a is a big thing in housing with the, both with new build, uh, where they you know try and keep that thermal efficiency as high as possible, but also with old properties and retrofitting is going to become an increasing thing, and perhaps we'll talk about that in some. Um, future podcast because uh, it's not as, it's not easy retrofitting insulation onto a period house depending on the period
2: it's certainly difficult yeah to bring the the ratings up on those older houses you know which is I guess is an argument for newer builds when you're looking at at buy to lets or, or buying in general you know because they do have those higher ratings as standard
0: so yes well addressing this energy crisis the government has announced three things one is North Sea oil licensing. They've uh, had a fresh round of that. They have capped energy, uh, so they're trying to get people through the winter. And fracking, they've announced that they're going to allow fracking in the UK. What impact do you think that's going to have, Callum?
2: Yes, so the fracking companies may recommence their exploratory drilling and the business secretary, as you say, talked about uh, compensation packages for any communities affected, You know, so that will help the NIMBY, the not-in-my-backyard people, uh, obviously, suddenly having a drilling operation in your back garden might have an impact on property prices, the views and all that sort of stuff. We are humans and we all like those things like having a good view, all that sort of stuff. So, So yeah, that might perhaps impact it that way.
0: Yes, if you go online, you can see maps of where the shale gas is uh, buried beneath the soil. Uh, Just uh, to pick up, hydraulic fracturing or fracking is the technique for recovering gas and oil from shale rock. It involves drilling into the earth and directing a high-pressure mixture of water, sand and chemicals at a rock layer uh, underground in order to release the gas inside. The wells can be drilled vertically or horizontally in order to release the gas. And the term fracking refers to how the rock is fractured apart by the high-pressure mixture. So, yes, keep an eye on that. Uh, It's early days. As I say, they've only just announced that, so nothing to worry about just yet. But if you see men in hard hats wandering around your veg patch, uh, perhaps that would be the time to worry. Um, Inflation. Stuart, what's the latest?
1: Uh, I believe inflation is down a wee bit uh, for end of August. It's uh, at 8.6% as opposed to 8.8% in July. So it's heading in the right direction, but a lot of that is to do with the fuel price uh falling. But I don't know if uh, you picked up today about the Saudi Arabian agreement with Russia, but you know, they've cut their output by a humongous amount, which means it's gonna be pushing inflationary pressures back up again, which won't be good at all. So I think it's in a short term, we're likely to have ten percent inflation, I think, for the next year at least. Okay.
0: We've talked about interest rates a little bit. Uh, just go over again where you think they're heading.
1: I would have said the interest rates are probably going to get up to 5%, possibly more. I mean, the market futures, the swaps rates are saying it won't be as high as that. But you know, I don't know whether that's based on goodwill or, or what sort of thing. But I would have said 5% is where it's heading you really just have to need to have a look at uh, your own mortgage situation, and if you've got a buy-to-let, you know what is your tolerance for increases in interest rates, and therefore do you need to set aside capital to pay it down, or money to carry on paying it off on a regular basis? The next meeting is in November. I think it could be one even prior to that, based on what's going on in the markets at the moment, with Bank of England having to step in and try and stabilize stuff. But the next one is beginning of November. It'll probably be a 3.5% and then possibly 5% by the end of next year. But who's to know?
0: Uh, Yes, well, there was um, in the Times at the end of the last month, uh, the financial markets were priced in a rate of 1.25 percentage points uh, to 3.5% at the next Monetary Policy Committee. Uh, That was on November the 3rd. And they're expecting it to rise to more than 5% by early next year and then uh, in the BBC news pages they thought that interest rates could now more than double by next spring to 5.8% from their current level of 2.25% as the Bank of England tries to curb inflation. What about the mortgage market? What rates are you seeing there? You touched on it but uh, what's the good news and the bad news?
1: Well it depends on which sort of market you're looking at. I mean, from a UK perspective, then you know, a lot of the new deals for first first time buyers have been um withdrawn. And you know, Kwasi Kwa came in with his stamp duty abolition with the idea of trying to help those people. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a non event really, because they can't get mortgages at the moment anyway. So I think that's really where you're gonna see a lot of pain. If you've borrowed ninety-five percent and You know your mortgage doubles, you're not going to have to keep that up. So there's going to be repossessions at that sort of end of the market. At the top end of the market, you know it. As I mentioned before, it's it's five percent around on average, and you know it's not that difficult, and they are very much available. But there have been a humongous amount of ones cut from what was available out there. I think at one stage it was six thousand possible deals out there. It's now down to about three thousand nine hundred, I believe. And as it goes up again next month, it'll probably be reduced again. Whilst they recalculate, because every time the rates go up, they have to recalculate and make sure they can keep on lining their pockets with our money and making as much money as possible. Bearing in mind, you know, two of the largest banks were bailed out by the taxpayer over the financial crisis, so they we were actually owned by the British taxpayer. And if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't even be around. But now they're banking us. It's not right.
0: Here, here. That was lloyd's and <laughs> Lloyd's and nat West isn't it the uh, two that were bailed out most um okay, so now we come to the mini budget a kind of self inflicted crisis that was created um what was there in that that impacts the housing market directly?
2: yeah, I don't think heaps and heaps you know as we've seen in previous budgets where there's been loads that um has a uh, can have a big impact on the market obviously there is the changes to stamp duty that Stu mentioned, but I think um, income tax changes, uh, national insurance changes, uh, changes to corporation tax, and then the stamp duty changes. Yeah, so he, he reversed the uh, the recent rise. Um, uh, the increase started in April this year and saw workers and employers paying an extra 1.25 pence in the pound. So that's been reversed as well. Corporation tax, there is to be an increase uh, incorporation tax to 25%. And now there won't be, he's keeping it at 19%. So there was going to be an increase, but it's going to be staying the same now, which I guess is, that's pretty good news for, for buy-to-let investors that are buying to companies, because obviously that would, would have had quite a a direct impact for, for more professional landlords that buy their properties to SPVs or, or companies. So that's good news, I guess, for investors.
0: Okay, and uh, just give us the headlines on the stamp duty. Change. Uh, we're going to look at it next week. But uh, what was the headlines?
2: Okay, so he's changed the the base threshold from one hundred and twenty five thousand up to two hundred and fifty thousand. So there's no stamp duty paid on that at all. And then for first time buyers, that threshold rises to four hundred and twenty five thousand pounds. That came into operation the day the budget was announced, as he announced it. And according to quasi two hundred thousand more people will be taken out of paying stamp duty altogether.
0: Okay. What about some of the other slightly more obscure measures around the investment market, Stuart? Um, any thoughts there?
1: It's quite some technical stuff, but basically just trying to encourage people to to invest in startup companies, that sort of stuff. The about setting up investment zones in 38 local areas, tax cuts and liberalized planning rules to release land for housing commercial use, which would be good for trying to get um, more properties built around towns, Um, uh, investment zones, new legislation to cut planning rules, get rid of the EU regulations. I mean, a lot of these investment zones, and this has been tried umpteen times, going right back to Margaret Thatcher. Um, Basically, you you don't pay tax if you go into, for example, Hull. Hull have got this tax-free location, Freeport. I think the same in Liverpool, they're trying to get Freeport as well. But, I mean, it's marginal. The I think myself the the benefits to it, but yeah, it's all positive stuff.
0: But certainly for some investors, it's worth keeping an eye on where those areas are, because obviously, you know, one of the most successful was um, Canary Wharf, which was uh, a dockland wasteland forty years ago, and now is a shiny skyscraper-led community of financiers. So those local areas, I don't think they've been announced yet which ones they are, uh, but certainly worth keeping an eye out. We talked about the kind of volatility in the markets and the the fact that the government had been intervening in the, to stop pension funds going bust. So as we say, really quite a busy month and it's still going on. It changes daily. So we'll have more about that when we look back at October in early November. But that's really all we've got time for at the moment. Thank you
1: very much, Stuart. Thank you, Paul, and cheerio. Thanks, Callum. Cheers, Paul. Thank you.
0: And it's goodbye from me, Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.